Hi guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of I Don't Know with Samantha George. This is the weekly podcast where we talk about life, conspiracy theories, talk to guests and occasionally have some deep conversations. What is up? How is everyone doing? I missed an episode because I was unwell, but I'm back baby and I am better than ever. Wow. I sound like every YouTuber ever, specifically Jake Paul. Yeah, I used to watch Jake Paul and Team 10 when I was like a kid. Yeah, I used to watch it until I was in university to be honest. But anyway, it's not about Jake Paul, it's not about me being a YouTuber or anything like that. We're going to be talking about current affairs and politics in this episode. To be precise, we're going to be talking about Russia and Ukraine. So, I'm pretty sure if you've checked the news, you've definitely seen this headline. USA wants Russia, Russia assembles troops, something along those lines. And if you're like me, you're probably wondering what is happening? What are these headlines for? And why the hell is 2022 already so dramatic? Like literally, it's just January. Well, you've come to the right place if you want to know about that. So, in the recent weeks, Russia has built up its military presence along the border of Ukraine with about 100,000 soldiers placed at the border and 20,000 reportedly stationed at Donetsk and Luhansk Republic. Sorry if I'm pronouncing the names wrong as Russian. I don't speak Russian. Sorry. Anyway, now you're probably wondering Why is Russia gathering its troops near the border? For that, let's go a little back in time to the USSR era. So, the Union Soviet Socialist Republic (USSR) was a socialist state as the name suggests, and it existed from 1922 to 1991. Now, this state had a number of nations in it, and it had a one-party, one-state system that was governed by the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, the capital being Moscow. This uh, state also consisted of modern-day Ukraine, Russia, Uzbek, Kazakh, among numerous countries. It was so big that it literally had 11 time zones. So you get to know that it's a really big country, right? So the USSR came into existence when a party headed by Vladimir Lenin overthrew the provincial government and established the world's first socialist state. Uh, he introduced a lot of new policies which led to partial return of free market and private properties. Now there was a period of economic recovery basically when Lenin came into power and after his death it was headed by Joseph Stalin. Now Joseph Stalin wasn't like the ideal candidate as president. He done a lot of things that the public certainly did not agree with he even caused a man-made uh, famine that killed about 8.7 million people in a span of a year he also like you know great uh, heightened the great purge uh, basically it meant removing or killing of any opponent uh, who he felt uh, would threaten his position in the party so yeah joseph stalin wasn't the ideal candidate And then on 1st January 1991 the Soviet Union with a population of more than 290 million and 100 distinct nationalities ceased to exist. Now there isn't a particular reason why USSR had fallen from grace but numerous factors contributed to its fall from grace. The first one would be political factors. 
So we have this person called Michael Gorbachev, who was basically the general secretary of the USSR. Now he wanted to help the economy of the country basically, and he introduced policies known as openness and restructuring. So when uh, openness, also known as Glasnost, was like you know introduced to the public, it opened the floodgate of criticism. Now everyone was criticizing how the Communist Party of the Soviet Union was functioning. So this totally backfired for him. And essentially, because people were so open about everything and criticizing the government, the state lost control of both the media and the public's opinion. And uh, you know th- that ultimately left led to the demise of the Soviet Empire. So by the end of 1989, Hungary had dismantled its border fence with Austria. Solidarity had swept into power in Poland. The Baltic states were taking concrete steps towards their independence and Berlin Wall had toppled. So that was the political factors. Then we had the economic factors. Now, even though the Soviet Union was the second largest economy at that time, it had tons of issues, including like 10% of the GDP of the country was in the black market area. Then after that, you had the problem of inflation. People were printing money. The government was printing money, not the people. Then mismanagement of fiscal policy made the country vulnerable to external factors. And USSR was known for its oil. It was one of the largest exporters of oil. Uh, There was the price... I mean, I'm pretty sure you know about it, but if you don't, there was a basically oil price drop and that affected the economy as well. It did not help the economy, definitely. So that was the economic factors that also, like, you know, led to the dismantle of the USSR states. Then we had McDonald's. Literally, McDonald's, guys, caused the revolution. <laughs> but anyway, on January 31st, 1990, McDonald's opened its first branch in Moscow. Now, this honestly was a W for Western capitalism as customers lined up around the block for the first taste of the Big Mac, right? Um, so this whole thing of in McDonald's being introduced there was because of Glassnot, that is the openness policy that was introduced. And this Glassnot essentially introduced new concept, ideas and experiences to the Soviet people, right? So the Soviet people were more eager now to explore these ideas involving any way, whether it was McDonald's, like Western-styled fast food, or even reading articles based on democracy. So there was a shift in public opinion on, uh, you know, how they viewed the Communist Party, essentially. And yeah, that was one of the reasons also that led to the downfall of the USSR. Along with that, there were various other factors, including military being well-funded when the rest of the economy was suffering, right? Uh, The Soviet Union's involvement in Afghanistan, which resulted in more than a million Afghans, mostly civilians, being killed. This led to nationwide anti-war protests. And then we had, obviously, Chernobyl, where a nuclear power plant exploded. And Gorbachev's government handled the situation really badly, did not communicate with the public, downplayed it tremendously, and whatever trust remained in the Soviet system and the Communist Party had basically been shattered after that. Even, like, you know, years after the party dismantled, uh, Gorbachev came and said more than Glasnost and, you know, the openness policy, it was Chernobyl that led to the downfall of the USSR. So yeah, that was how USSR came into existence and 
a little bit history about the USSR. Now, since we spoke about USSR, let's move on to Ukraine. On 21st January 1990, over 300,000 Ukrainians organized a human chain for Ukrainian independence between Kiev and Lviv. Citizens had come out to the street holding hands and basically supporting the cause of their independence, right? And on 16 July 1990, a new parliament adopted declaration of state sovereignty of Ukraine, the second largest country by area in Europe. But it wasn't a smooth sail just because they adopted this declaration. In August 1991, a faction among the communist leaders of the Soviet Union attempted to coup and remove Mikhail Gorbachev in an attempt to, you know, basically restore the communist party's power. After it failed on 24th August 1991, the Ukrainian Parliament adopted the Act of Independence, a referendum, and the first presidential elections took place on 1st December 1991. More than 90% of the people of Ukraine expressed their support for the Act of Independence, and they elected the chairman of the Parliament, Leonid Kravchuk, who was the first president of Ukraine. Uh, now Ukraine was being turned to democracy and Russia still wanted in. They tried various ways to infiltrate the system, one of them being in 2004 with Viktor Yanukovych. Now in 2004, they had an election and basically the election was largely rigged according to the Supreme Court of Ukraine and the person that won the election was Viktor Yanukovych. Now the result had caused a big public outcry and majority of them supported the opposition party's leader, Viktor Yoshchenko. So basically Yoshchenko uh, challenged the outcome. By the way, both of them are called Viktor Yanukovych and Yoshchenko. Essentially, so yeah, uh, Yashchenko challenged the outcome, and later on, it turned out that he had won the election, and he was elected uh, as prime minister. Now, Yashchenko, during those months, he became gravely ill, and it was soon found by multiple independent physician groups that he had been poisoned by TCDD dioxin. Now, Yashchenko believed that he was poisoned by Russia, and there was some Russian involvement in him being poisoned. Essentially, now all of this eventually resulted in the peaceful Orange Revolution that brought Viktor Yashchenko to power. Basically, now in 2006, Prime Minister of the Alliance of National Unity was Yanukovych. He essentially returned to power until snap elections in September 2007 that brought another Prime Minister to power again. Then in 2008, 2009, Ukraine had some financial crisis and the Ukrainian economy plunged by 15%. And maybe it was because of the economic crisis that Yanukovych was elected president in 2010, Prime Minister in 2010 with 48% votes. Now, Yanukovych was basically hand in glove with Russia and Russia loved that it literally controlled Ukraine. with just a puppet the puppet being yanukovych now this started the euro maidan which literally means euro square protest in november 2013 after president yanukovych began moving away from its association agreement with the european union and chose to uh, better establish its ties with the russian federation this resulted in numerous protests that even turned violent now yanukovych wanted to settle this whole thing so he decided on a compromise deal with the opposition leaders that that he would promise you know some constitutional changes and restore certain powers to the parliament and basically it called for early elections uh, to be held by december this happened in february uh, 21st of 2014 but the members of the parliament 
voted already on 22nd February to remove Yanukovych from as president and replace him with Petro Poroshenko. And he won the elections with 50% of the vote, therefore not requiring a runoff election. Now, when he took up presidentship, uh, he immediately prioritized to take action to the civil unrest in eastern Ukraine and meant ties with the Russian Federation. Now, with Yanukovych being oust, we have to introduce a new player. The new player in this situation is Crimea. Now, after Yanukovych got kicked out, Vladimir Putin basically started preparing steps to annex Crimea, a state that belonged to Ukraine. Now, using the Russian naval base at Sevastopol as cover, Putin directed Russian troops and intelligence agents to disarm Ukrainian forces and take control of Crimea. After the troops entered Crimea, a controversial referendum was held on 16th March 2014 and the official results was 97% of Crimea wanted to join hands with Russia and become a Russian state. On 18th March 2014, Russia and self-proclaimed Republic of Crimea signed a treaty of ascension of the Republic of Crimea and Sevastopol in the Russian Federation. Separately, in Donetsk and Luhansk region, armed men declared themselves as local militia, supported with pro-Russian protests, seized government buildings, police and special police stations in several cities and held an unrecognized status referendums and again gave themselves a complete independence and joined the Russian Federation. And I mean, given whatever happened with Crimea and the other states, it's obvious that there was some tension that already existed between Russia and Ukraine and that tension heightened to another level. Now, as mentioned in the start of the podcast, Russia has built up military presence on the border of Ukraine. Why is that? Well, to answer the question directly, Russia opposes NATO bases near its border and has asked for a written guarantee from the NATO that it does not expand eastwards onto Russia's territory. Now, one of the Kremlin's central demands is that Ukraine should never be allowed to join the NATO, a move that Russia considers as a red line. USA does not accept uh, Russia's demand and Russia thinks, or more like Putin thinks, that if Ukraine becomes more integrated with the NATO, it's a threat to its national security and that's why the troops are present over there. Pretty straightforward, right? Ukraine, you're threatening me or the NATO is threatening me and that's why I'm going to uh, arrange my forces next to the border pretty simple but that is not really the case so there's always been tension right between ukraine and russia and just to let you know where what i am hinting at let's go back to six months ago now my man vlad opened a 7000 word manifesto on the historical ties between ukraine and russia with the claim that with the claim that russians and ukrainians were one people part of a single whole but to the common misfortune and tragedy of both countries, Putin said in the recent years, a wall has emerged between Russia and Ukraine. So you know where I'm going at, right? You at least know where Putin is looking at. Or in other words, Putin wants to control Ukraine again. Blatantly stating that he wants to control Ukraine again. He was doing it with uh, Viktor Yanukovych, but unfortunately, he did not work out. So now he wants to go all out and just invade Ukraine and control it. Pretty basic. And he wants to essentially reclaim USSR's past glory. Uh, Putin will rule Russia till 2038. And Ukraine, in the meantime, 
already has had seven presidents till now compared to Russia's three presidents. So you see, there's almost kind of a dictatorship right now in Russia. So now you get to know why Putin wants Ukraine. Not only is it a feat to his title, but also, uh, you know, there's some kind of influence of Ukraine in Russia and that will not affect his republic or his people, right? Or his presidentship mainly. So simply put, Ukraine has two choices, it looks like, according to Putin at least. Either they elect a pro-communist and Russian Federation president that Putin can control or else Ukraine meets with the wrath of Russia and its possible invasion to basically add another badge of honor on Putin's belt. Simply put, that is why Russia and Ukraine are what I can say in a state of cold war at this given time. With that being said, it brings us to the end of today's episode. Hope that it helped you all understand the situation a bit. I tried my best. I did honestly try. It was tough pronunciations, but I still did it. And it was so much of research, but I still did it. And you know what's up, guys. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast both on Apple and Spotify. Please do that. It's the star button on Spotify and it's the rate and review button on Apple. And if you have a story that you would like me to cover or you know someone who'd be the perfect guest on, I don't know, with Samantha George, hit me up on IDKW Samantha George on Instagram. Don't forget to share the podcast if you liked it and you learned something from it. And see you next Friday or Saturday with another fun episode. See you when I see you. Bye.